This is America on the Road, named best radio show by the International Automotive Media Conference, and now in its 27th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. Ford has increased the price of its F-150 Lightning electric pickup truck right after we gave it a strong review in last week's show. Is there a connection? <laughs> well, we'll have the details coming up. There's more intrigue in the boardroom at Volkswagen, and we'll tell you all about that. The knives are out. And Congress has just passed the Inflation Act with the promise it will promote green energy. But will it hurt the sales of electric cars? We'll have commentary on that coming up from someone who knows all about that. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at DrivingToday.com slash auto insurance. That's DrivingToday.com slash auto hyphen insurance. For some reason, we like that hyphen in there. Hi, I'm Jack Neerad. With me is guest co-host Matt DiLorenzo. Matt is, uh, has co-hosted with us before. He has a new book out that we'll be talking about later in the show. Matt, thanks so much for being with us. I think you're in Asheville, North Carolina today, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yep. Driving some Korean cars. Right, that you can't really talk about. Uh, or yeah. they, they'll slap yeah. you on the wrist, but uh, we can yeah. talk about them soon. What right. vehicle will you be telling us about, though, this week, Matt? I actually got behind the wheel of the Ford Expedition Stealth edition, which is a full-size uh, SUV. That's very good. If you can find it in the parking lot. Yeah. You know, I think that's that's the challenge yeah, there. Yeah. I got a chance to drive the 2022 Toyota 4Runner TRD Sport, a new uh, 4Runner variant. I'll tell you about the special duty it had in the road test segment. It was very, very special to us. We have a terrific interview for all of you as well. Our special guest is Laura Thornton. She's director of OnStar Marketing at General Motors, and OnStar has a new initiative that will extend it far beyond General Motors vehicles, which is pretty cool. There was a time when they were beyond General Motors vehicles, and now they're doing it again. It could be as close as your smartphone. So we'll talk with Laura Thornton about that. Uh, before we do anything else, though, we, we are going to bring you some of the most important auto-related news from around the world and commentary from Matt DiLorenzo, our, our good friend and, and co-host this week. So stay with us. Thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with guest host Matt DiLorenzo. Uh, this is Jack Nierad with you. I almost forgot my own name there, but I am Jack Nierad. Thanks so much for being with us. Co-host Chris Teague is off this week. He had a home emergency. I think a pipe burst or something terrible happened in his house, so he couldn't record with us. But we're, we're blessed to have Matt DiLorenzo, an old friend, old friend of the program. Not so old a guy, but an old friend uh, on the show. And Matt, uh, news is something uh, you have reported on at Automotive News and forever as editor of Road and Track. So thanks so much for being with us. Here's here's something that didn't surprise either either of us. I think it is the increase in the price of the F-150 Lightning pickup truck, their EV. It has gone up pretty significantly too. Uh, prices have gone up between six thousand and eighty-five hundred dollars. The cheapest model is now priced at around $47,000, and that's before destination. Are you surprised by this at all, Matt? No, and you know, when they were throwing around that $39,900 price tag, that's for the base work truck that nobody's going to want other than fleets and those type of things. So the, the idea of an under $40,000 pickup 
electric pickup was a pipe dream to begin with. And and to be uh, quite frank, you know, with the climbing commodity prices and inflation, uh, this move is not at all unexpected. And now the cheapest truck, the work truck, is going to be less than 50 or just under $50,000 after your destination and all that stuff. And if you want to get a, if you want to get a civilian XLT, you're looking at 60 grand. Oh, easily. I mean, if you get the XLT with extended range, it's $80,000, $81,000 is the MSRP. Of course, these vehicles oftentimes are going over as MSRP. This might quell a little bit of that, right? I mean, this allowed yeah, Ford Motor yeah. Company to capture some of that money that was either going to the dealer or you know, going out the door somewhere. The Platinum Extended Range Vehicle, the, the high zoot one, the, the one that most of us have driven as uh, journalists, Ninety-six thousand eight hundred seventy-four dollars is the MSRP. So it's it's crazy. A lot I mean, stuff. you do get in the base truck, you do get ten miles more of range from two thirty to two forty, right? For that forty-seven thousand dollars. Yeah, so, yeah. For that extra seven thousand dollars that you would have paid <laughs> if you hadn't got a reservation, they are throwing right. in some additional stuff. Probably nowhere near seven thousand dollars worth of stuff. As you say, the base truck is getting uh, added range. They're doing some stuff with uh, towing packages and uh, their ability to tow. But no big change except for the price. And, uh, you know, again, uh, it's up to Ford Motor Company to capture as much money as it can from, from this stuff. It's got a hot commodity, and it's decided to raise the price. So uh, good for them. Yeah, and, you know, I think that that, that shows sort of the conundrum that uh, the automakers are facing right now is, on one hand, they want to look like they're getting affordable EVs out there to the public. But on the other hand, they're in business to make money. And, you know, there's still a spread. An electric car just flat out costs more than a conventional gas-powered car. So you're seeing it in the marketplace. Yeah, I mean, there's no getting around that, right? I mean, batteries cost a lot of money and you know, people seem to be demanding a lot of range. I mean, you and I have discussed that a little bit and maybe they're demanding range when they don't really need to demand range, but uh, they seem to be demanding at least 200 miles of range in a lot of vehicles and upwards of 300 certainly in the Ford Lightning. And that's nice to have, you don't have to be plugging it in all the time. But at the same time, you're paying a, a giant amount of money for that. And, you know, maybe that makes sense or maybe it doesn't, right? There is no free lunch, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> so true. I should write that down. I yeah. absolutely should write that down. Well, I, we've been in this industry a long time, Matt, and we are used to drama surrounding Volkswagen and Porsche. And it, it's going on again. Uh, the Porsche and Piek families want a, a bigger role. <laughs> They've had a pretty big role, but they want an even bigger role at Volkswagen. Uh, they want to keep, I guess, Volkswagen, uh, what the, this Reuters story calls it, on a shorter leash uh, than it has been before, <laughs> have a greater say over strategic uh, matters that are going on within the company. Of course, these are the two families that, uh, especially the Piek family, has ruled Volkswagen for a, a long, long time, and Audi, and uh, had a big-handed Porsche, and of course the Porsche family has something to do with Porsche, right? It's interesting, you know, the way this is all working out. Basically, a guy named Herbert Dies was forced out recently. He had been brought in, I, I believe, from BMW to uh, do mm -hmm. a lot of things at uh, at Volkswagen, did a lot of things, moved them toward electrification, got them past Dieselgate, but uh, I think ruffled a lot of feathers as he was doing it. And 
uh, it's kind of like the king and his court here. I mean, this, this strikes me as city-states and noblemen, and you don't want to piss off that duke or that the other duke, right? And uh, I think that's what Deese did. So now they've installed a new guy, Oliver Bloom, as the next CEO. He's also in charge of Porsche, which they're about to spin off. So, I mean, how do you spin off a, a, an arm of the company that is, is ruled by the, the same guy who's running the, the company from which it's being spun off? I mean, talk about that. What's your take on this whole thing? Kind of nuts. It's like you say, city and state. It's, it's old Europe, old you know, hierarchies. You know, the big thing, the surprising thing was that Porsche was a relatively small concern up until about maybe 20 years ago. And once they moved into SUVs and they started spinning off money like nobody's business, uh, they came around and they basically were calling all the shots at VW, a much larger global company. So this is part of that long running drama. And yet the funny thing about it is it's like the minnow swallowed the whale and now the minnow is spinning itself off as a as a separate entity. Yeah, I mean, there were all kinds of weird things, right? When Porsche was trying to take over Volkswagen and then it kind of got flipped and, you know, everything got kind right. of thrown into a, a hat. And now I think Porsche would love, the Porsche family would love to be connected to this spun-off Porsche IPO that could make them tons of money. I think there was a recent IPO for Ferrari, right? That, you know, netted, right. uh, you know, a ton of money. Kind of makes sense that these luxury brands can be spun off. And I think it just depends on what sort of, and I imagine the Volkswagen Group would retain a significant stake, if not a, a majority stake in the spun off company, so they can still exhibit that level of control. But it just shows how convoluted this business can get with stock trades and families involved. I mean, you say the same kind of things playing out at Ford with uh, getting rid of Mark Fields and bringing in uh, Farley and all these different... You don't want to run afoul of the family whose name is on the building, right? And Correct. <laughs> whether it's the Porsche family or the Ford family, that's something you don't want to do as a it's manager. The and there's the not much you can do as a, an independent out there, <laughs> you know, somebody right. with a different name trying to make that thing happen. It's, it's really all yeah. about power. It's kind of interesting stuff. Well, I want to give this commentary, and I love your commentary on the commentary. Uh, this commentary <laughs> is from John Connolly. He is the uh, chairman of the AIADA, which is essentially the Association of Import Auto Dealers. And it talks about the new uh, inflation or anti-inflation, depending on how you want to describe it, act that has a lot to do with the car business. I mean, this is not a political show. This is a show about cars. But this has a lot to do with the cars we're going to see going forward. And it's kind of bizarre, as, as John Connolly says, it could have been very simple. They could have extended the $7,500 tax credits. They could have pushed them past the 200 uh, unit limit that they'd had before. They didn't have to put this on the table that they had to be UAW built built by the United Autos, Auto Workers Union because that limits every everything but you know, essentially big three vehicles uh, out there. No, none of the other manufacturers are organized. You know, it's it's such a political football now, and I and you hit it on the head. I think they were trying to appease the unions. That wasn't going to work. So then they decided because of uh, we've given a lot of our strategic interests away to China, most of the lithium, a lot, you know, a lot of that stuff is mined and then it's mined here, shipped to China for processing and then shipped back to be going into the plants. 
So the tax credit had like a... And be, for environmental reasons, quote unquote, right? Right. So, you know, the 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 U, North American content of a lot of these batteries don't meet the 40% threshold. And then they stuck caps on like sedans at about uh, 55,000 and pickups and SUVs at 80,000. So that in essence it takes is going to take a lot of these EV um, credits off the table for virtually everybody. So it's nobody's happy with it. Yeah, I mean it's a mess, and it it could really limit electric vehicle uh, sales, production and sales. Here's something right. that Connolly says, kind of to sum up: uh, Does anyone really think there will be large-scale acceptance of electric vehicles with no tax credit? and a current average price of $66,000. I mean, that just kind of puts it in a nutshell, doesn't it? No. Well, when we come back, we're going to be road testing two very interesting vehicles, including the Ford Expedition and the Toyota 4Runner TRD Sport. So stay with us for that. With Matt DiLorenzo, this is Jack Red with you. And thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with Matt DiLorenzo. This is Jackie Red back with you. Chris Teague can't be with us this week, a home emergency. So Matt DiLorenzo is filling in ably, the former editor of uh, Road and Track magazine, uh, the author of a brand new book. Uh, we will talk about that, Matt. I look forward to chatting about that. But first, I want you to chat about the vehicle you road tested this week. You had a, a big SUV to talk about. I was driving a, uh, the new Ford Expedition Stealth Edition. And uh, the, the Expedition is um, Ford's body-on-frame full-size SUV. It's really a gr- terrific vehicle. And they were sort of the first in that segment to go to an independent rear suspension. Everybody's kind of talking about the new uh, GM full-size SUVs. Well, they've just added an independent rear, and, and the Expedition has had it all along. And the Toyota Sequoia, I think, has added that recently too, right? Correct. And so Ford isn't resting on its laurels. They've done a refresh on the vehicle, and uh, it's really nice. They kind of spiffed up the interior. The exterior's been cleaned up a little bit. And then they have this new Stealth Edition package, which is, uh, you know, everybody's doing these uh, midnight or blackouts. So it's got, like, black wheels and uh, blacked-out grill. It, it really does tone down the look of the vehicle. I mean, I, I when I was driving it, I saw a regular kind of a, a platinum edition with all the chrome and getting rid of all that chrome really makes um, the expedition seem a lot more tidy uh, than its dimensions would would indicate. But yet it's roomy, it's smooth, it's comfortable. It doesn't have a V8, but it's turbocharged V6 has plenty over 400 horsepower and they have a wonderful 10-speed automatic transmission. So um, I had the whole crew. We were on vacation back east. Um, we, you know, we threw a bunch of stuff in the back and had uh, uh, plenty of room for everybody inside. It was really a comfortable vehicle and and a great look. And actually, given what people are paying for full-size SUVs these days, um, the pricing started in the mid-60s, which isn't bad for a premium SUV with leather interior. And it has the giant um, portrait-style uh, center touchscreen, which is kind of cool, but I, I I would prefer having, you know, buttons and switches being kind of an <laughs> old-school dinosaur. I, I find it distracting having to dig through different menus to, to change drive modes or 
uh, temperature settings, things like that. It's got such a massive screen, it kind of overtakes the, the whole interior, right? I mean, in a way it's cool, and in a way it's like, wow, that's yeah. just too much. It's it's nice because it's a big map when you have the nav system on, but the rest of it, it, it it's just a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, display space that you really don't need, especially since they have a really great um, digital instrument cluster and a head-up display. So um, very easy to drive, very comfortable. And with the V6 engine, actually, we were seeing some pretty, <laughs> for a vehicle that size, 18 to 20 miles per gallon. I mean, which is good stuff for a vehicle that can haul seven or eight people, a bunch of stuff. I mean, it swallows up so much stuff. And because it's separate body on frame, you separate the, the body from the frame. And uh, so you have nice isolation inside. It's a comfortable ride, really quiet. I, in a lot of ways, it's a big limousine. It's a, it's a tall <laughs> limousine, right? And we see them in that, in that use these days too, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it really is a comfortable vehicle. And I, you see why people, you know, those are the kinds of, of vehicles. And as you know, from your own personal experience, that People buy and they just keep it. They'll keep that something like that for ten years. So, um, I think they have a role in a in a family you know family transportation. It wouldn't be my daily commuter, but man, if we're hit, hitting the road, that's the one to take. Yeah, yeah, terrific, terrific vehicle. What what was the uh, most surprising thing about the expedition? Do you think uh, what was something that kind of stood out to you that you weren't expecting? I think the thing is that it drove a lot tidier than its dimensions would indicate. You know, the, the great thing, and this is why people love SUVs, is you're, you're sitting uh, in a command of the road. You can, your visibility is great. It's very comfortable. Uh, their steering is, is, is well dialed in. So you don't have to think about driving this thing. It's really intuitive to drive and, and comfortable. And actually, we were staying in downtown Chicago and I was surprised at some of the parking spaces I was able to get into. And, and, and that's thanks to the, you know, uh, surround view cameras and all uh, the aids that they put on these cars. Now it's, it's actually quite usable. Even in, I was, a, I, I had a little bit of trepidation thinking, Oh, we're going to be in downtown Chicago. And it actually was much uh, easier experience than, than I was expecting. Well, I like it a lot, so it sounds like you did too. I had a vehicle that in some ways has some similarities to that vehicle in that it's a separate body-on-frame vehicle based on a truck chassis. And I'm talking about the 4Runner TRD Sport. It's the latest edition of the um, 4Runner. And it's um, tuned by TRD, which is Toyota Racing Development, but to be on-road as opposed to the off-road and pro models, which are really off-road oriented. This is uh, more of an on-road vehicle. It's also uh, kind of in the middle of the range. You know, there's a lot of different forerunners. Uh, you can get an SR5, you can get the TRD Pro, the Limited, uh, and TRD Sport is kind of in the middle there and has a lot of good stuff. And for the use we were putting it to, which was actually moving uh, my daughter uh, back up into an apartment so she could get into college, back into college for the fall, uh, it was perfect. It was amaz amazing how much uh, this kind of midsize uh, truck-based uh, SUV was able to swallow up. It has pretty sophisticated chassis <laughs> for this kind of thing, for a, a truck-based vehicle. I wouldn't say it's a Formula One car in any way, shape, or form. But it does have this very complicated cross-linked relative absorber system. 
in the suspension, which um, it's also on the uh, Forerunner Limited, and it adjusts the damping, basically. It, it helps you with on-road, and so you're not swaying back and forth with pitch and yaw the way you would uh, in an off-road-oriented vehicle, um, which is nice on the road. You can get it in either two-wheel drive, which is a rear-drive vehicle, or you can get it with a part-time four-wheel drive with a two-speed transfer case that kind of turns it in some ways into an, an off-roader. Has a nine inches of ground clearance uh, in uh, two-wheel drive form and 9.6 inches of ground clearance in the four-wheel drive form. And then it's meant to be on the road anyway, so <laughs> you can dodge a lot of boulders that are in the middle of the road there. Uh, it also has 20-inch wheels, which are definitely road-oriented as opposed to off-road oriented. You probably want wider sidewalls uh, in a dedicated off-roader, but they're good-looking wheels and makes it look cool. I think there's a lot of style in this particular uh, version of this vehicle, uh, both inside and out. It has a TRD hood scoop. Uh, front spoiler, the roof rails are black. It, it's a cool looking vehicle. Uh, the one we had was in, you know, one of these uh, kind of pastel colors that are in vogue right now. It kind of kind of looks seafoam green in a way or so, <laughs> something like that. Pretty cool. Inside it has, I guess, faux leather soft text is what they're called seats. What's your take on that? Are you it has to be leather, or are you a guy who can can roll with the uh, synthetic? I'm old enough to remember when they called it a vinyl interior. Yeah, plastic seats, yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I, uh, again, a lot of it has to do with the tactile nature of it. If it's soft enough, if you don't sweat in it. I mean, a lot. I think the biggest thing about those types of soft text or faux leather type material is they have to breathe. If it doesn't breathe, you're going to be uncomfortable. And I think a lot of the manufacturers have gotten pretty good at, at, at doing that. And you save a couple of bucks. I mean, if you really want real leather, then, you know, have at it. But real leather is expensive. It, it just makes the interior a lot more welcoming and a lot more comfortable to be in. Right. Which is an important thing, like in a, in a Toyota 4Runner. That's an old vehicle. And I give Toyota a lot of credit of staying on top of that thing. Yes, they haven't made the the uh, investment in redoing it, but they certainly are making it a lot more livable and a lot more usable than if they just left it alone and, and tried to, you know, uh, milk as much money as they can out of it. Absolutely. I mean, it's got great stuff. It's got eight-way power driver's seat. It has a leather-trimmed steering wheel. Uh, air conditioning has rear seat vents, so the people back there don't suffocate. It has a power sliding liftgate window, which is useful. That's kind of old school. A lot of safety features as well. I think they've done a really nice job with what is admittedly an older platform. I would say the infotainment isn't exactly state-of-the-art, but not bad. An 8-inch touchscreen display. Uh, it doesn't have the newest Toyota display, which uh, I think is coming, but at least it does have uh, Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, Amazon Alexa, so good stuff. Overall, not a cheap vehicle, <laughs> but nothing is cheap these days. Uh, plenty of power from its 270-horsepower, 4-liter, normally aspirated V6 engine. Which is bulletproof, by right. the way. That's the, other, that's the only other advantage of, like, buying a vehicle like this. They've been building it for such a long time. Well, and this will tell you how old this, this platform is. It has a five-speed automatic. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been around for yeah. a while. I like it a lot, though. It was perfect for what we were using it for. Nice size. Swallows up a lot of cargo. Very comfortable. It's not handling like a sports car, but rides quite well for a, a body-on-frame truck-based vehicle. $47,000 
is the MSRP. So under 50, I guess. There you <laughs> so go. congratulations <laughs> to them for that. Yeah. Two vehicles we like, uh, the Ford Expedition and the uh, Toyota 4Runner TRD Sport in this instance. And uh, so good for, good for us with that, driving those. Our special guest coming up in the next segment is Laura Thornton. She's director of OnStar Marketing for General Motors, so we'll be chatting with her about what's going on at OnStar. Pretty cool stuff. With Matt Lorenzo. this is Jack Red with us. Thanks so much for staying with us here on America on the Road, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to America on the Road. This is Jackie Red with you. We have a terrific guest for you. Laura Thornton is director of OnStar Marketing at General Motors. I think we've spoken to Laura before, uh, but it's great to have you on America on the Road. Thanks so much. Really interesting stuff going on at OnStar. Uh, I've tracked OnStar, I think, since the beginning, but this is a big one for OnStar, isn't it? It sure is, and thank you so much for having me back. So today we're Excited to announce some great new innovations for OnStar that are taking us even further beyond the car. So we announced last year the, the launch of the new OnStar Guardian app. And today, these new feature announcements are actually allowing us to bring motor, uh, to bring OnStar to motorcycles and even into your home. Yeah, I mean, it's very cool. OnStar has always protected people. I think that was one of the premises from the beginning, right? And, and now you're extending that um, by using, I think, smartphone technology, right, uh, and app technology. Talk about a bit about that, would you? Exactly. So if you missed the announcement last year, and just to give a, a quick overview of the OnStar Guardian app, it is an app-based version of OnStar services. So what we did was we spent a few years developing essentially a portable version of what you experience in your vehicle. It has a core set of functionality that includes um, kind of your traditional three-button interface to so the OnStar blue button, the SOS red button, and the ability to get help in any experience you might have on the road. Um, centered with mobile crash response, we developed an automatic crash response algorithm that we can watch while your uh, smartphone is moving with you. We know if you're in a vehicle or now on a motorcycle and you've been in a crash, we can actually detect that and get an OnStar advisor there right on the line to help you through your smartphone. So there's a number of other features available as a part of that app, um, but that is the centerpiece of, of how we've created this service. Uh, that's absolutely critical stuff, of course. And uh, when you are in a something like a motorcycle crash. I mean, minutes mean everything. One of my daughters actually is an RN. She works with many motorcycle crash victims and, uh, you know, other automobile crash victims too. And that extra extra time that you can save by uh, making that notification immediately uh, can be a lifesaver, can't it? It absolutely can be. And, you know, for 25 years, we've been helping customers in those critical moments on the road, um, everything ranging from saving babies and being there to bridge the gap between someone on the road who's having uh, delivering a baby and can't get to the hospital in time uh, to you know knowing that there have been multiple passengers in a crash and helping someone talk through what to do next in a in an instance like that. Um, that bridge, that over the phone emergency medical dispatch trained advisor really provides a lot of additional, not only peace of mind, but truly like triage to the situation so that 
the person on the other end knows, okay, how, what should I do next? Should I perform CPR or should I let the customer stay in the car? Should I wait until 911 um, first responders get here or should I start taking action right now? And we talk them through it every step along the way. Uh, we also want to make sure that we know what's happening on scene so that we can prepare first responders for when they arrive so that they know it's approximately this level of severity. We think there's this many victims or people who have been injured and they can show up and actually be better prepared for what they're about to deal with. Because as you mentioned, every second does matter. Absolutely, it does. Well, obviously, uh, General Motors doesn't sell motorcycles, right? So you're this is extending beyond the General Motors brands of vehicles. Tell us a bit about the thinking there. Yeah, so there's two gaps that we're trying to fill here. First is with motorcycles. And no, we do not manufacture motorcycles. Um, but we do know that, in, especially globally, it is a form of transportation that is preferred. Uh, for a number of different reasons. So in more congested places in South America, which we're not launching in yet, but we do intend to reach there at some point with the OnStar Guardian uh, motorcycle feature, their transportation, like being on a motorcycle, is how people get around, um, frankly. Here in the U.S., it tends to be a bit more leisure, uh, but that that protection and that peace of mind is something we can deliver that's, you know, two steps away from the the vehicle-based experience, but still very important. And we know also that motorcycle riders' needs are different. Um, It's a lot about them and their own personal safety, but, you know, when they're riding alone, it's also about the confidence of those who are at home, who love them, who want to make sure that they're safe and they're okay. So this ecosystem that we're building kind of connects both pieces together and is very important to us to be able to deliver. Well, it, it sounds like in a lot of ways you're protecting the individual as opposed to a particular vehicle. You're tracking more what's going on with that individual. So you might be in a neighbor's car. You might be uh, carpooling with a friend. And still you, you would be protected by this OnStar Guardian uh, situation, wouldn't you? Yes. Absolutely. And the the biggest piece of, I'd say, value that comes with subscribing to the service, you can share it with up to seven friends and family members. So for me, for example, I share it with my parents and I know exactly where they are, what's going on with them. Um, And I know that if they get into another vehicle um, outside of their GM ecosystem, that they're safe, they're protected, and that they have this confidence with them. My kids are not yet driving. When they will someday, I will know that no matter whose friend, whose car they get into, or what kind of shared ride they might get into in the future, that they have that peace of mind, and I have that peace of mind. Yeah, I mean, it's so critical. I have three daughters who are now all in, in their 20s, and they're all driving, and they're all over the place, and uh, they're still my little girls to me, and uh, I'd like to know that they're safe, right? And so that gives you great peace of mind. Absolutely, and that, that's part of this, is we want to make sure that not only those in our GM vehicles, who that is still a very core strategy to our, our growth and um, our really our promise to our customers, but beyond that ecosystem, that we're able to connect the dots in more places. Right. Well, at home is another place, right? So tell us about that. That's fascinating to me on Star at Home. Yeah. So the home, that's the second part of the story here. And we've been working on this integration for a number of years as well. We've partnered with Amazon so that there's actually a skill built into the Amazon Alexa voice service so that you can say, hey, Alexa, I need help. And if you've got your Alexa device linked to your OnStar Guardian app, Alexa will actually summon an OnStar advisor. So the OnStar advisor will come on the line 
And just like Alexa can do um, in terms of hearing, our advisor has that same audio capability, can talk to you and can uh, the advisor can understand what's going on in the home, what kind of emergency or even just like tier two kind of support you need. And we can help get you the right instructions and the right um, help that you need right in that well, moment. What's tier two uh, kind of situation? I'm curious. Yeah, to see I broke what my that leg. I, um, yeah, I've fallen and I can't get up, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's the typical thing, right? Yeah, something that may not be immediately life-threatening, but is something that you feel that you need support. You're not sure if you need an ambulance to come or if you just need someone to tell you what to do next. And that's what our advisors are really good at is helping to treat that situation and go through the normal EMD protocol to get you the help that you need. How about even more mundane stuff? I mean, in, in past years, I think we have uh, gone to OnStar to get maybe driving directions or things like that. Is, is that uh, something that's possible these days? Absolutely. So all the core services that you would experience within the vehicle that are available within this app. So think of that blue button um, in the OnStar Guardian app is the same sort of blue button that you have in your car. You can push it, you can call an advisor, you can ask for directions, you can ask for you know, information about the area that you're in. Wayfinding is of course an important part of our experience. Um, and really I think over time what we intend to do is upskill our advisors so that as people are walking through the city or the world or wherever they may be, an OnStar advisor can provide more assistance and support than they have historically. Yeah, boy, we'd love that uh, everywhere to get to get some support. We all need support now, don't we? Yes, exactly. Tell us how the average person out there can get this, can get OnStar Guardian. Sure. So the easiest way is just to go into your either your Google or your Apple store, download the app on your smartphone, and you can get started right there. If you're a current GM customer, you just link your credentials right there. If you're not, you create new credentials with us and get going from there. The cost is $14.99 a month, and that includes all the services that I talked about today, along with that ability to share with up to seven friends and family members. It also includes uh, roadside assistance, which I think is even more critical um, for this user base that we're pulling in because it covers that on those seven devices. So if you share with seven people, anywhere you go, roadside service is included as well. Yeah, I mean, as a family of five, getting roadside assistance for all, all members of uh, our family would be a terrific, I think, value for that kind Absolutely. of money over time. Yes. Remind us how to go about doing that. Just go to yeah. OnStar and get at the app stores is the way. To yes, go, OnStar right? and the app stores. You can also go to OnStar.com if you want to learn a little bit more before you take that next step. And if you are in a GM vehicle, of course, you can always push your blue button and an advisor will be able to help talk you through how to get the OnStar Guardian app as well. EVs are really hot right now. Certainly General Motors has made a lot of uh, initiatives on EVs. Recently, I was at the launch of the uh, Blazer EV uh, here in Los Angeles. That was a very exciting event. How does OnStar interlink with uh, electric vehicles and that information? Yeah, that's a great question, Jack. And, um, you know, OnStar is absolutely part of our global connectivity strategy as we look to the future. And as you know, connectivity is a critical enabler for electrification to come to life. So as we have today, the largest global connected footprint in the world, that foundation will serve as a platform for our vehicles to be able to do things like find charging solutions and 
be connected to the latest information about your vehicle. So this isn't like we're doing this for the first time as it relates to EVs, whereas some of our competitors are. They're using EVs as a starting point for connectivity. We've been doing it for 25 years. So we have a pretty hardened experience within our vehicles and with our customers. And that's just going to serve as that layer for you know, the experience to get better over time for an EV owner. Well, Laura Thornton, thanks so much for being with us. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. It's a pleasure to see you now. I, I don't know that we've seen each other before. Uh, it's a pleasure for me, not so much for you, but thanks so much for being with us. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jack. I appreciate the time and have a great day. You too. Thanks. Stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with guest host Matthew Lorenzo. We really do appreciate you being with us here on America on the Road. It is listener question time, and I have a listener question for Matt DeLorenz. It's a perfect question for him, actually. He is the author of a new book. And what's the name of your new book, Matt? I want to make sure everybody gets it right. How to Buy an Affordable Electric Car. A Tightwad's Guide to EV Ownership. So look for that from Matt Lorenzo. It's available on Amazon. It's all over the place out there. So look for that. But here's the question, and it's apropos to that. I want to buy an electric vehicle, but all the EVs I've looked at are so expensive. Do you have any advice for me? This comes from Eleanor. She's in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Eleanor, lower your expectations. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, the cars that are being pushed now are all the really expensive, you know, even though some of them may have a starting price below $50,000, that's for the base version, and they're rarer than hen's teeth. You're not going to find them. The thing is that there's only a handful of them, and they're going to be subcompact or compact size hatchback cars with limited range. And if that fits your lifestyle, you'll find an affordable car, but don't go in there expecting a car that's going to have 300 mile range and uh, a room for more than four people comfortably. Well, and, and talk about range, because I think that's an important distinction. A lot of people are looking at longer range. That's better. I need the more range. You really need to look at how you're going to use the vehicle, though, don't you, Matt? You can match it to your lifestyle. And, and even the Bolt has about a 250 mile range. Um, the, the, the leaf that costs about the same only has 149 mile range. Now, the, the advantage is that if you're charging your car at home, which you should do anyway, because, um, that way you can literally top off every night, you can get by on a car. You don't need 300 miles uh, worth of range and you can get splitters and stuff to be able to plug it in. The dirty little secret right now is that more and more manufacturers aren't giving you that portable cord that will allow you to plug in. So then you got to go out and you got to buy a level two charger, which can run you anywhere from 600 to 2000 bucks. Right. Well, good advice from Matt Lorenzo. a great book from Matt Lorenzo on buying an affordable EV. Look for that at Amazon. And Matt, thanks so much for being with us. We really do appreciate it, especially on short notice for you to do this is terrific. Thank you. Oh, it's always great to be here, Jack. I, I really enjoy it. And thanks so much for being with us on America on the Road. We do appreciate it. We thank, we want to thank the Sports Map Radio Network stations for carrying America on the Road. And thanks so much for that. Look for us on YouTube. Uh, you can see what we look like, and uh, hopefully that won't scare you off. And uh, <laughs> join us again next week for another edition of America on the Road. America on the Road is brought to you by MercuryInsuranceAndDrivingToday.com. 
If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at drivingtoday.com slash auto insurance. That's drivingtoday.com slash auto hyphen insurance. 